This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode you're about to listen to is live and unedited. If you'd like to join us on the live stream, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Recovery Revolution 100 or search Recovery Revolution Live on YouTube. All right, we're live. Welcome, everybody. Janine, What's Amanda, up? welcome. Phil. What's up, guys? How's it going? Amanda, I'm so stoked. I didn't know you were going to be... Um, I just interviewed Amanda a couple weeks ago. Sure did. I didn't know you were going to be here either. You're like name I popped know. up, and I was like, that's my friend. <laughs> you did a fantastic job on that podcast. You so? Two people have texted, and three people have called me from that. Okay, good. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, from you leaving your number on the podcast? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? Were you yeah, able to like help the people with resources? Yeah. I, it was Holy so shit. cool. I know. I mean, it was that was so the goal, cool. but I didn't but know if it was really going to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> me either. <laughs> but oh, yeah. 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 This Two girl. Go ahead. Yeah. This woman gave her personal cell phone number live on my show for people to call her if they need help finding resources. Yeah. That's awesome. I've never had anybody do that before. I'm so glad people actually called you from my show. That's awesome. And she even said that too. It's like, I don't think I've ever had anybody come on my show and probably ever will no. and leave their number like this. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't give out my number on my show. So <laughs> I <tell Yeah>. <laughs> challenge accepted. Should I give out my phone number? You can give yeah, out mine. Oh, Phil's ready to drop a phone. You can number. give out mine. I give out mine all the time. Call me. If you're yeah, watching right? in Minnesota, I do hail inspections too. 651-399-4747, baby. What's your <laughs> you have a website for your hail inspections business? Yeah. We got a website, but we're not gonna put that on there. We're okay. gonna put against the odds ministries on there. Hey everybody. That's okay. ATO right. ATOministries.org. That's not hail restoration. That is hope, encouragement. That is recovery, restoration, y'all. That's God restoration up in there. Come on now. Right. Where's everybody at? I want some people to share this live tonight. Please. We want to get this live shared out into the airwaves because we want to get this live shared out to somebody that's struggling tonight. Somebody that's feeling hopeless. Somebody that's feeling broken because I know that there's brothers and sisters out there that ain't got it all together tonight. I know I don't got it all together tonight either. I'm just a broken human as well. I'm just here trying to live and learn each day. And I'm blessed to be on this podcast, uh, live stream, whatever we want to call it, right? Thank you very much for asking me to come on here and share. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for asking me to come on here and share. This was months ago. JR. JR, I don't even know if you're watching, JR, but guess what? I want to thank you for asking me to share. I want to thank Heather for putting me in touch with the recovery revolution. I want to thank Brett. I want to thank Janine. I want to thank Amanda. I want to thank all y'all for allowing me to come on here and speak. We were just talking. I, I told them, I said, how long do I got? Because I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you want to, man. As long as you want to. Well, I mean, I'm just going to, I'll start off and I'll kind of just give a quick testimony. I'll try to just give a quick testimony. I'll try not to get into too much, uh, too much of the bad things, right? I, I'd like to. That's right, Greg. What's up, brother? You know I love you. 
Uh, so I would like to just give you a quick testimony of where what happened, you know, where I came from, you know, what it's like today and all that good stuff and, and, and some of the some of the obstacles that I faced in uh, recovery, things like that. But first and foremost, I grew up in L Lake Charles, Louisiana. Um, I, I, my parents were divorced. Um, I seen a lot of alcohol in the home at a young age. And I didn't feel a lot of love as a child. Uh, and I say that a lot. You'll hear that on a lot of my stuff. Uh, I, I just didn't feel a lot of love as a child unless it was from my grandmother, right? Or, or you know, it, I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. I didn't know it. Um, there was a lot of controversy or there was a lot of chaos in my life. Both my parents drank. There was alcohol involved. Well, I moved to Minnesota at, I don't know, 15 years old. We moved to Minnesota and uh, I moved to Minnesota from Louisiana and when I moved to Minnesota, I had an accent from Louisiana. So it was tough to find acceptance. And where I found acceptance was what they call the wrong crowd, right? I found that the, the wrong crowd accepted me. And uh, I remember the, the, the first time that I, I drank, right? Um, the first time that I drank as, as, you know, a teenager trying to get drunk, at a party, I remember that I got a minor consumption that night, y'all. I got a minor consumption that night. That was the first time that I drank. I was 17 years old. Uh, I was at a party, and we were all drinking. We were having a good time, right? I felt good. The drinking gave me some confidence. Uh, it gave me some courage, right? I started, I was. I felt more confident and more in just. I had a, a lot more courage, and I felt like I could talk to more people. I just felt slick, right? I felt like I had arrived. Uh, so to say, but God had, God has, God has showed me something that night because I had, I got a minor consumption. I got a minor consumption that night. So the first night I drank uh, at a party, we got a minor consumption. My, my dad ended up picking me up um, from the apartment we were in where we got pot, where we got busted uh, minor minors drinking, right? Underage drinking. I think I was 17 years old or something like that. Um, but that was, that was a, that was a, that was a, that was a snapshot of my life to come if I continued to drink, right? The first time I drank, I got that minor consumption at 17, and that was a kind of a snapshot, a, a red flag is what I like to say. It was a red flag that I see now, but I didn't see then, right? I see that now, but I did not see that then. So after that drink, right? I was, I, I, I drank, I drank, uh. I drank and uh, I ended up uh, drinking so much because I have that I have that allergy inside of me. Like when I when I when I drink that booze, when I take that booze, I don't know when to stop and I black out drunk and I do things that I normally wouldn't do. And I started doing that at 17 years old, 18 years old after drinking. And then what at, at 18, I found methamphetamine. What actually I found uh, I found some Ritalin. Uh, one of our buddies had some Ritalin and, and we popped some Ritalin and we were drinking. And I realized that, hey, with this Ritalin and this with this Ritalin, I can drink like someone normal. Like I can drink like dude over there and not black out. I can I can still remember what I'm doing. I'm not vomiting in the corner like normally all I ever did when I drank. Um, so 
So that was my introduction to uppers uh, with some Ritalin. And then eventually that graduated into, you know, I always had these lines in the sand. I hear a lot of people talk about the lines in the sand. And I always had these lines in the sand that I would say, you know what, I'm going to do this, but I'll never do this. I'm not going to do this, but I'm not going to do this. But every line that I drew, every line that I drew in the sand would always get pushed further back, get pushed further back and get pushed further back. Uh, it was with methamphetamine. Oh, at least I, I'm not going to smoke it. I'll just snort it. And then I started smoking it. All that justification and all that. But, you know, here's what happened. I couldn't control my drinking. I drank too much, right? I, I, I drank too much. So when I drank, I blacked out. Once I started drinking, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen next. I didn't. So what happened was meth, meth, I, I was introduced to meth and it and I felt like I had arrived again. Like, hey, now I found something that can help me drink. And what happened was the meth took over my life, took over my life. And from 18 to almost, you know, 18 to 28 years old, uh, I was in and out of prisons and in and out of institutions. I had been booked in to the Washington County Jail here in Minnesota over 30 times. I was booked into the Dakota County Jail over 20 times. There's other county jails that I was booked into. I've been to prison three times. Each time I had go, gone into prison, the first time I went to prison, uh, I went for stealing cars and drinking. The sex, second time I went for drugs. The next time I went for a first degree burglary where I kicked someone's door in, in pursuit of money and drugs. Um, each time my crime got more and more serious. Each time I got more deeper and deeper into the darkness that I was living. Um, and that is how I ended up in prison with a 51 month sentence, 51 month sentence. And I was in prison with a 51 month sentence. And I was in there for my using, for my polluting the community. Right. And while I was in prison, I still did the same things I did on the street. I was still lying, cheating, manipulating. I was drinking. I was doing all the same things. I joined a prison gang. It was my third time in prison. It was my third time in prison. And I had clicked up with the gang in there. And. Uh, for me to say this is big because when I was when I was in prison and changing my life I realized that everything that I had the everything that I had done was secure a spot for me to come back to a place that I didn't like and it really made me think and it really really made me feel hopeless and desperate that I didn't know how to stay out of prisons and institutions and that was a big 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 part of how I changed my life so I was in prison, still drinking, still doing the same thing. It was my third time in prison. Now I'm a gang member in there. Now I have alcohol. I have, I can get just about anything I want in there, right? I can get just about anything I want. We're brewing alcohol, we're drinking and I black out drunk and I end up in segregation. And what happens is I end up in segregation. I don't remember how I got there. I do know this, that I was not, I, I, I didn't intend on drinking that day. And, and let alone, I'm in prison, right? I'm in prison. Yeah, a closed custody prison. 
So I'm in prison, and the deal is I'm drinking in prison, and I didn't plan on drinking. But, you know, someone brought me some someone brought me some hooch to my cell and they wanted me to test it to see how it was. And that's how it works for me. Right. I took the first drink. I took the first drink that day and I was off to the races. Next thing you know, I'm in segregation. They're charging me with staff assault, inmate assault, inciting riots, all of this stuff that I had no idea how I got there. If you blackout drink, if you if you've blacked out drunk, if you you understand what I'm talking about. The anxiety, the feelings of overwhelming, impending doom that you don't know what you did. You don't know who you did it to. You don't know what's going on. But all I know is I'm sitting in a cell and I'm in trouble for the same thing that brought me into the cell to begin with. I'm in the same spot. And that's when I cried out to God. That's when I cried out to God. I cried out to Jesus Christ. I cried out to God, Jesus Christ. And I asked for a Bible right there. Now, did I stay sober from that point on? No, I didn't stay sober from that point on. I didn't. But what I can tell you is God's hand started to work in my life. I was let out of segregation early on a mistake made by the disciplinary sergeant. They gave me 90 days consecutive with another 90 days consecutive. That was on the paperwork. When, I, when, when, when the paperwork got submitted, it was submitted for 90 days concurrent with another 90 days concurrent. So, therefore, I was released from segregation early with enough time left to get into treatment still. These things aren't just a coincidence, brothers and sisters. I do not feel like they are. Look at me. I am dead serious. These were not coincidences at all. These were God's hand. God does for us what we can't do for ourselves, brothers and sisters. And what happened was I was released from that segregation cell with enough time to get into treatment. And when I went, so when I got out of segregation, I got out of segregation. They didn't let me out early or anything like that as far as good behavior, but they messed up on my on my segregation sentence and they were supposed to give me 180 days and I only had 100 I only did 120 so I had enough time to get into treatment or something like that what happened was I went to an AA meeting I went to this AA meeting not to go to an AA meeting I was in custody and I was going to this AA meeting just to let the fellas know that I was out of the box and I was back in population that's what I was doing, y'all. So I went to the meeting. I was in a separate room, and I had a guy come out and pull me out of the room and 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 pull, and, and pull me out of the room I was in, come walk out of his room, control movement prison, pull me out of mine, and say, hey, I remember you were serious about treatment. I left your file open for some reason. Would you like to come back to Atlantis? And I was like, sure, man, whatever. He's like, we'll call you down tomorrow for an interview. So I went back in there. Now I'm affiliated. The fellas, the guys that I was sitting with said, hey, what do he want? And I said, well, they want me to go to treatment. I had a, the guy sitting right next to me. I'll never forget this. He looked at me right in my eyes and he said, brother, go get your life together. And that's exactly what I did, brothers and sisters. What happened was they let me into treatment the next day. 
the next that day was October 15th of 2010 when I walked into Atlantis Treatment Center. That day, my life ha has never been the same ever since. God started to work on me in that prison cell in segregation, and then he continued to work and open doors and close doors and continue to have his hand in my life while I was back there. But I would have never seen it if I would have got out and went back to the same what the same stuff I used to do. I would have never seen his hand in my life. But it but 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 God had a different plan. And what happened was I got into treatment. I got into treatment and when I was back in treatment, I had that thought that everything that I have done was secure a spot for me to come back to a place that I didn't like. That I didn't exist, that I didn't want to be in. I didn't want to be up in prison, but I had secured a spot for me to come back. I was clicked up. I was ready to roll in there. If I went in there, y'all hooked me up with some zoom zooms and wham whams, right? I was a big dog in there, huh? That's exactly the mindset that I had. I, I was trying to be something in a place where I didn't want to be nothing. So, so what happened was my heart was convicted. My heart was convicted. And I was like, you know what? I don't know how to stay out of prison. I don't know how to stay out of trouble. Whatever these people tell me to do in here, I'm going to do. And that's what I started to do. And I continued to surrender to programs. I surrendered to that program. That program taught me a lot. One of the most important things that program taught me was integrity. Doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Not because someone's looking at you, right? It taught me integrity. It taught me how to break the convict code. It taught me that, you know what? I don't care what convicts think of me anymore. I don't care what these, these people think of me anymore. I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I got to get out there and I got to do what I got to do. And I just, I continued to surrender and I continued to do that. And when I got out, I went to a Christian transitional house because here's what happened. When I was back into that treatment center, I started to learn how to connect my heart and my head together. I started to learn where the voices come from, whether whether they're from Phil or whether they might be from the Holy Spirit or whether they might be from God's will and not Phil's will. What's up though? Hope shot in the house. You know me, I'm gonna drop it like that. What's up? Hope shot in the house. Love y'all. Love y'all. Yeah. What's up, Heather Conley? Y'all just threw me off. Squirrel moment. Squirrel moment. Help me get back on track now. Somebody throw me a somebody throw me a comment on the screen. Where was I? That's right. That's right. We talking about surrender and true freedom. Absolutely. And when I was back in that treatment center, I surrendered there and I had this thought come, right? And and, and when I had these good thoughts come, I usually would push them away. I usually would push them away for real. Whoop! I would push the good thought away for real because it was tough. I, I was like, oh man, that 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 seems good, but it seems like it might not be that easy. I can't do that. I've never done nothing like that before. That's not it, right? And I would push it away. But this time I had this thought to get in, to go after doing three years in, in, in three years in custody in prison, and then my last 10 months in treatment, I was willing to go to another high intense treatment Christian discipleship program upon my release. And I was willing to go. And that thought came into my into my heart and it was stirring at me. And instead of pushing it away, I actually spoke about it to my counselor. I actually brought it to the light, right? I discussed it and I and I released some of the power that it had over me by discussing it. And I let it into the light. And what happened was I filled out to go 
to a, a, a high intense treatment center called Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge while I was in custody to get released to go there. And, and, and what it was, was they denied me to go there. So I'm sitting in there and I'm like, whoa, what? I, I can't go there now. So now I'm faced with, oh, wait, I'm trying to change my life and I'm trying to get into a program and I'm trying to re get released and go to a program so I can I don't have to come back here and they don't want to help me. Like I was really broken. I was really hurt by that. And I had my counselor look at me and this is a this is a secular treatment center. And I had a counselor look at me and she said, hey, have faith. God has a plan for your life. She said that to me and brothers and sisters, if you're out there today, I'm saying that to you too. have faith because God has a plan for your life, too. If God has a plan for my life, he I know he's got a plan for your life. I know he's got a plan for your life, too, because I I mean, I, I felt like I didn't deserve that. I really I really did. I really felt like I didn't deserve a chance. And I never tried. I never put forth any effort. I wanted to stay sober. I wanted to stay sober. I wanted to stay in recovery, but I didn't want to do anything, right? I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to change my life, but I didn't want to actually have to do anything. And what I learned in those treatment centers and these, these transitional houses is that we that, that, that if I want to change something, I have to do some work. I have, to act, I have to act on it. I have to do something about it. If I want to change something, I got to do something about it. And I can't just rely on God to remove everything out of my life. I got to I got to I got to actually act on it. I got to put in the work God does for us. But we, what we can what we can't do for ourselves now, he will not do for us what we can do for ourselves. He ain't going to put the pen on the paper and write your four step for you. He ain't going to put the pen on the paper and write your six step for you. He ain't going to go out there and talk to somebody. And if you need a job, he sure he sure isn't going to go and knock on the door for you. You got to get out of the car. You got to put your feet on the ground. It's it it's action. It's action. It's action. Faith without works is dead. It really is. Faith without works is dead for me. If I sit there and don't do nothing, right? I'm not doing what I need to do. If I sit there and don't do nothing, I'm not doing what I need to do. Brothers and sisters, I went to prison three times. I went to jail over 50 times. I was considered hopeless. I was considered hopeless, but God had another plan for me. God had another plan for me. When I surrendered, I finally started to realize that God had a plan for me in the entire time. And I was so stubborn and so hard headed that I just never wanted to surrender. I never wanted to follow him. He always gave me an opportunity to, to walk away from something. Always. I always had an opportunity to walk away from something. I did. But what happened was I never had the practice, right? I never, I never had actually done it. So then I never, I never tried it. And, and when we don't try nothing, we don't do no, I didn't do nothing. I was one of those guys where I didn't want to make mistakes. I didn't want to fail. So I didn't want to do it. It, it. it trapped me for many years, many years. So moral of the story, y'all, moral of the story here is, my, my, my third time in prison was a charm. My third time in prison was a charm. For real. It really was. I, I was blessed with the gift of desperation in, in a prison cell, right? I was blessed with that gift of desperation, that gift of hopelessness. Yeah. And guess what, y'all? Yesterday, I walked out of Stillwater Prison 11 years ago.
yesterday, 11 years ago, I walked out of Stillwater prison. So it is a big deal. It is a big deal. It, it definitely is. And, you know, today, so I surrendered to the halfway houses. I surrendered to the program. I surrendered to my sponsor. When I got out, I got a sponsor. I started to work the steps and I started to do the work. And then I started to bring guys through the steps. Then I started to bring people through the steps. Then I started to help other people. Then I started to share, right? And then in 2020, right? One day at a time, one day at a time. Then in 2020, I started to share my story online on a platform called Against the Odds. And Against the Odds has grown now. And we are a nonprofit ministry. And uh, we have a group associated with the page. We also have a website. We have a lot going on with Against the Odds. And it, it, it all started because, because God said, you know what? He ain't as hopeless as he thinks he is. He ain't as hopeless as he thinks he is. And he says the same thing about you. He says the same thing about everybody, brothers and sisters. We ain't as hopeless as we think we are. We're not. There's way, there's a solution. We do recover. We there is a way out. There is recovery after addiction. There is recovery after abuse. There is recovery after depression. I'm telling y'all, all the hurts and habits and hangups that you're carrying, there's recovery. There's peace. There's serenity. But but we must surrender. It's really key to surrender. I'm grateful that you're a member of ATO. You too, Amanda. Josh. Ashley, first time viewer. Good evening. Good evening and good evening. Yes, Jennifer Rutherford. Dallas Thompson's in the house. What's up, brother? Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that you might have like drop the mic <laughs> you did and i want to say so a lot of people know but a lot of people are like watching and so my journey through recovery started four years ago however um i would share like little things i guess like you know sober sober like recovery but then i found um i had been following the hope shot for like a year you know two three years and Phil remembers Justin came on and told his story. So it popped up and I watched it and I have always supported the hope shot. Um, I do way more now. Like I'm really involved now, um, you know, commenting. However, when I heard Phil, it was like he ignited, like ignited something in me that just was like, I already was clean. I already was sober, I, but I was searching. Like I was missing the aspect of, I've always like followed, you know, I've always been a Christian. I've always like followed God. However, I had like missed a piece, um, you know, through addiction and all the things and, um, you know, loss of my late husband and all. So when I found Phil and I found against the odds, it just ignited something in me that I was like, I've got to be a part of this. And shortly after, you know, we chatted and I became, you know, a <clears throat> moderator on the page against the odds page and have met the most amazing people that I have ever, ever seriously have ever known. Like, I mean, they are absolutely phenomenal, just kind hearted, Christ following, amazing recovery family, human beings. 
Um, and so against the odds is like extremely, extremely special to me. Um, I shared my story for the very first time, which I know I've been doing a lot lately. However, my first time sharing it, I made sure it was with against the odds because they are just special and they are what I know, right? Get it. Um, they ignited it in me, you know, Phil and his, 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 um, his fire, his inspiration, not only for the Lord, not only for against the odds, not only for recovery, not only for his family, his business, his team for against the odds, but just him in general is what empowered me makes me want to cry, but it, it, it empowered me to do what I'm doing now and being so, so loud about it. So mm. I owe so much I owe everything to God for me being here, but I owe a lot of my story being told and me having the um, umph <laughs> to do it because of you, Phil. So that's why I was so excited to be able to be on tonight, be a part of it because, you know, you know, I love you just like I love everybody else against the odds. It's so special to me and it's so cool full circle because you know, I got closer with the Hope Shot Recovery Revolution is just absolutely amazing. I mean, Brett, Ashley, you know, Jr. I mean, everybody, you know, you see Heather in the comments, Justin in the comments, you know, Sally in the comments, like we're just showing out like we are showing up and showing out for each other, for God, for recovery, for family. And it's so special because we're all together like all of my groups are on here right now. Like that's insane. You know, and Janine, like her podcast, she is, at, I mean, she's amazing. Like if, if y'all have not heard her, you have got to go listen seriously because the way that she words things, Narcan Nate is just a bad A word. Um, and he's hilarious. You know, like if you want to share your story, you should talk to everybody other than me because I don't have a show, but everybody on the screen other than me, you should talk to because they are phenomenal people and they will empower you and inspire you and lift you up. And everybody needs that. And now I'll be quiet. Um, I got to say, so thank you so much, Phil, for everything that you just shared. And what I love, well, and first I want to say, uh, Ashley popped up in the comments, honey, you said you just relapsed and you're just mm. back. Um, I just want to say that, like, I don't know you, but the fact that you're, I just got chills. The fact that you're, I'm going to get emotional. You're in the room tonight and you said that publicly, like you're back on the road, like you're back on the path and you're so much further ahead of the game probably than you think, even if you're not sober or clean yet or where you want to be. Like the fact that you're in here, you're in this room, you're participating and you typed something in the freaking public chat box to like ask for assistance. Like, um, I believe in you. You know, I, I believe in you and I'm really proud of you that you did that. So like, welcome. Um, and Phil, thank you so much. I love the brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, and I do want you on my show. Actually, I want to talk to you about that, but I love what you said, because I think that this is so true. And the more people I speak to in recovery, the more I, I see this, it's almost like once we start walking the path of alignment with our true purpose, with what God wants us to do, it's almost like we're cheating that like, it's almost like the progress that we get. It's almost like we're cheating in life. Like we're not, but, but the breaks that I see people get like you with that sentence that actually happened to me once too. I was sentenced to be a fourth waiver. 
which uh, Brett and I had a conversation about this recently. Um, in California means if you're a fourth waiver, you've waived your Fourth Amendment rights. So you can be stopped, searched and seized at any time. If, if a cop just sees you and they would see me and be like, Janine, turn around. They could search you. Wow. Um, I was sentenced to be a fourth waiver for three years. And I picked up my paperwork when I left and the fourth waiver box just wasn't checked. Like the person just hadn't done it. And I wasn't listed as a fourth waiver ever. And like, and it, it almost seems funny to attribute that to like, but like once we start walking on a spiritual path and I was trying to get my stuff back together, it's like, I see so many addicts in recovery start to get those breaks. And I want to share that with people that are still in the depths of it, because one of the things that prevented me from even trying was stuff like that, like legal sentences, didn't have a driver's license, owed the IRS $18,000, you know what I mean? All that stuff piles up. And like, I try to tell people, I felt like I can do the math on that. It's going to take me two years to save up for a car, taking the bus forever. And like, once we start again, I know I just keep saying it, but once we start walking on that path and walking in alignment with what God wants for our life, God meets us where we are and it becomes timing that we can't understand you know and that's just like another testimony of that is everything that you just said that's right i can agree i mean hey i know a lot i i feel that i feel that a lot uh definitely uh definitely the i want to share something else so how i got let out of prison early or let out of segregation early i didn't get let out of prison early I got let out of segregation early on a mistake made by discipline. And then when I got out, I was going, I had, I'd never had my license before. I'd never had it because I had been trapped, right? Kind of like, you, like you said, that it, it felt like I was trapped. I couldn't get it. Like I was 16. My dad, you know, I, I, I didn't choose my parents. My dad couldn't afford to get me a, a permit when I was, when I, when I was in high school. And, uh, that was, that was shameful to me. And I, I lied about it, uh, and what happened was I never went and got my license. And what happened was I start. I got three DWIs. Why would I get a license? I'm driving around meth in the car. I'm going to use your license, not mine. You know what I mean? And that's how I was. But when I got out, I got out of prison. I went to the public safety and said, hey, I, I'm trying to get my license back. She said, you need, you're supposed to have a breathalyzer in, your, in the car. You're supposed to have this. She goes, I'm going to waive all that for you right now. She's like, my husband is a minister. She said, my husband's a minister. I'm so I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. And your DUIs are from so long ago. Wrote them off. I didn't have to have DUI plates. I didn't have to blow into the thing. It was a complete. And now I do have a B card in Minnesota. It's called a B card. So I had to get five people to write letters that said, hey, if Phil. So I was deemed a public safety by the state of Minnesota. So they so I had to have five people write letters that say, hey, if Phil relapses, we gonna send it. We're gonna send a letter in, and and you can cancel his license, right? And this is all still on my license as a B card. It says any alcohol or drugs invalidates license. Wow. Yep. I didn't even. So I know. Saying. And so then then they put that mark on you, right? And I got eleven yeah. felonies too, y'all. So and and I know what you mean. Like they want to search you all the time. I felt like that they used to pick on me in in certain towns. They used to pick on me. They'd be like, oh, he's got a warrant. Let's get him. You know what I mean? And they just go and search you anytime. You know, it makes you feel hopeless. Like nothing can ever change, doesn't it? It does. And, and, and that's why I'm so passionate about sharing hope. Because we know, because we know we've been there, right? We know that that hopeless feeling is just a feeling. We can, there's hope. <laughs> there's hope. 
the hopelessness is just a, I mean, there is hope. Yeah, there are special plates for DUIs here in Minnesota if you have a certain amount of them. I didn't know that. I never heard that before. Yeah, they got special DUI plates uh, for Minnesota. There is in Georgia uh, too, Matt. I'm actually from Georgia originally. There's DUI plates in Georgia. That's crazy. I don't there? think they have them in California. Yeah, that's what Matt this Baker guy just said, Georgia. Yeah. yeah. That's right, Heather. Hope to the hopeless. <laughs> okay, so I have questions. Are you ready for it? Okay. Um, first of all, Phil, I want you to say ATOs times and days for people who haven't watched you yet so that they can find you. So we have against the odds. Uh, we have against the odds with Phil Tyler business page on Facebook. Um, if someone wouldn't mind that's watching this, go ahead and drop that link in there. Um, because I can't really do it. Uh, don't have much control over it. What's going on here <laughs> on this one? But, <laughs> but drop the link. And I'm going to tell you, we go live every month, usually Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. And we have a devotional and we go live for about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. But, you know, I at least try to go for 30 minutes uh, Monday through Friday. With that being said, tomorrow I won't be live because I'm live tonight. Um, I can't. And then I'll be live Saturday night as well. So tomorrow morning I have appointments and this worked out well. So I'm not going to be live tomorrow morning. Tomorrow I'm taking off. But usually it's Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. And then on Saturday, 8 p.m. And these are central time zones. So if you're in the Eastern Standard Time, like most of the recovery revolution, right? Most people are in the Eastern Standard Time. I believe is it would be at 9.30 in the morning and at 9 p.m. at night on Saturdays. Absolutely. Yeah. Nine o'clock. Um, so one thing you would tell a newcomer, like first time ever watching, just newly sober. A newcomer? Yeah. One day at a time. One. I mean, I'm going to be real with you. I used to laugh at this stuff. I used to laugh at this stuff when I see here at a meeting. One day at a time. Let go and let God. I used yeah. to laugh at that stuff. I'm going to say this. Grab that serenity prayer. Memorize that serenity prayer. Understand that serenity prayer. Each, I mean, that serenity prayer is so key, right? It is so key to understand that serenity prayer because it is so simple, but yet so profound. It is profound. I mean, just that's why I laugh because I used to be like, oh, one day at a time, all that, you know, let go and let God, right? That's the most important thing that we, that I could tell somebody that, that, that you're not your mistakes, you're not your mistakes that each and every day we have a new opportunity to live and learn that God has a plan for each and every one of us. That you just know about, because, yeah, go ahead. The sayings like let go and let God and one day at a time. I actually have a theory about those sayings and I want to know if you guys agree with this, Brett and Amanda and Phil. I have a theory that the saying that, you know, like they, they bug the shit out of you when you're a newcomer, right? They, like you just said, I have a theory that the saying that bugs you the most is probably the one that you like need the most. Like for me, trust the process, trust the process. 
Like that would drive me crazy. I would have counselors and programs tell me to trust the process. And I wanted to get on work release and they would tell me, trust the process and hand me my paperwork back because I needed whatever to get on work release and tell me to trust the process. This one counselor in particular, but like trust the process is probably the saying that I need the most because like I'm always operating in fear and not faith. And I'm constantly having to remind myself to get out of fear and get into faith and get out of fear. It's like as a human being, the thing I work on the most one, do you agree with that? And two, what would you say would be the one that bugged you the most that you think maybe if you agree with that, like that you need the most that resonates with you the most of those little sayings? All of them. Cause I'm yeah. one of those guys where I'm one of those guys where I'm like, trust the process. I'm the process. Give me it. Give me it. I want to take control of it. Like what process? No, man, I got to control. I got to push that in. I got to do this. I got to do that. Right. I mean, for yeah. real. That's, I mean, all of it. And that's why, that's why over time, right. Over time, we do this one day at a time, one day at a time, over time, you're like, wow, that simple stuff that I was like, so hard headed about is so true. And I so needed that. I so needed someone to tell me to just trust the process, trust God. Like that, the counselor said, Hey, God has a plan for your life. Trust it, trust it, trust, trust that he has a plan for your life. And I'm like, and then she gave me an assignment on fear. She was hardcore. Those are the kind of people that we want in our lives in recovery. The people that'll, the people that'll say, yeah, you know what? They'll, they'll love you. And then they'll be like, yeah, but here's, here's what, what you should probably look at. Right. We love you. Right. We love you. Right. But here's, here's what you should maybe look at. And and the thing is, is if one person tells us we got a tail, I wouldn't worry about it. But when we start getting a couple people telling us we got a tail in the back wagon, you might want to look back. You probably got something back there. So there's something to look at, right? Constructive criticism. We talked about it this morning on the live on Against the Odds this morning. Constructive criticism. When we get criticized and we get a little bit of sorrow, that brings us to repentance, right? Brings us to change. You don't change something that you don't feel bad about doing it. What's the change? So if we feel bad about doing stuff, it's a good thing. It means that we're human. Now we have to change it instead of continuing to feel bad about it and beating ourselves to death. Because that's what we do. Oh, I feel bad about this. Oh, but then something happens and we go right back to our survival skill. And then we feel like that again. Over and over and over. You know, if you've been in and out of jails and institutions like I think you have, you know, you understand. I, 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 I honestly... Look at it like I continued to do. It was my survival skill. Continuing to make mistakes, go to jail. I had three hots and a cot in there. You know what I mean? (laughs) Subconsciously, I was protected in there. And, you know, subconsciously, I don't know. I always ended up in jail. And, you know, they say that God saves his anointed. So I look at it like that. I was not slick, y'all. I have 11 felonies. So I was (laughs) not slick at all. I was probably the worst criminal you'd ever find. You know what I mean? Think about it. <laughs> Not slick at all. But I want to say, so some of these just popped up, Janine. And like, I freaking hated all of them. Like the yeah. trust the process though, like it, it irked me. Like me I'm saying like, trust the process. Okay. It hasn't worked so far, you know? So now you want me to continue trusting something that's failed me 150 effing times you know um a little difficult to do but 
the one day at a time, I never got it <clears throat> like until recently, like the last year and a half, you know, um, which the last year and a half, I've done a ton of healing, you know, I, I was hit with it. Everybody on here knows I was hit with it. You know, I got sober February 1st of 18. My hus late husband was taken from me the end of May, 2018. I had three months, you know, everybody knows three months or so sober. So the one day at a time was like, like Ashley, um, Ashley Grimes and I think Misty Brody said, um, Sometimes it's like one second at a time. And I think Phil's wife, Anna, um, mentioned that he said it this morning. I'm trying to watch the comments too. Um, that I never got like one day at a time. Does anybody realize like when you're newly in like you're newly in recovery that one day at a time seems like it's 18 years, you know, like I have a sober app on my phone and I've shared like screenshots of it before. So it breaks it down to how much money I've saved, <clears throat> how many minutes I've been sober, seconds, years, yada, yada. When I looked, I posted one and I posted the year, but the other one that was huge to me was the minutes. And I mean, I don't have any, I probably couldn't even tell you the number because I'm probably not that educated. <laughs> um, brain cells aren't really there, um, but it was a big number, right? And I was like, I posted on Facebook and I was like this. This is this is most likely the amount of times I had to say no. Right. Every minute in the beginning you want to use every minute. I mean, let's be real. Sometimes every second. Right. I mean, every second, sometimes, especially in the beginning. And if you're withdrawing and if you have a, you know, a trigger or whatnot. So I think that in the beginning, all those quotes like ticked me off. And I just would roll my eyes and be like, next, 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 you know, now it's crazy. Hope for the hopeless. Um, now it's like, I understand them. And I've been in recovery for like a good amount of time now. So I feel like it's easier for me to be like one day at a time. Okay. I know now that I can take it one day at a time, you know, um, trust the process. Well, the process isn't easy, but nothing that's worth it is easy. So trust the process. Got it. I'm, I'm trying and I still, I'm still flawed. You know, I mean, we've talked like I'm still flawed. Um, trusting the process is probably the hardest one, you know? Um, but I, I think that that's where it is, is the longer you're in recovery, the easier it is to understand what those mean. And the earlier in recovery you are, the harder it is because you don't, you're, you're looking for hope. You don't really have all that hope yet. You know, Ooh, I, I got something on. with, with the one day at a time, <laughs> with the one yeah. day at a time, I thought, I remember saying this to my, to people, I was like, okay, they're saying one day at a time. They don't mean JR. <laughs> they don't mean one day. They mean forever. They're just tricking me. I know they mean forever. They don't actually mean one day at a time. This is a trick. I know these idiots mean forever. Okay. I'm not sure why they're selling me on this one day at a time. And my mom finally was like, Janine, nobody cares if you stay. It's not for, it's not for them. It's for <laughs> you to get through a day. They're not tricking you. It's for you, not them. And I was like, oh. And she was like, it's so that you can get through a day. And I was like, oh, I thought it was like, they thought like they were trying to trick me. You know what I mean? 
when I was thinking, hey, when I was thinking when when Amanda was talking and saying and and what you were saying and what I was saying about all these, right? We come into the rooms, right? We come into these rooms and we're we're so desperate, but we come into the rooms and we're like, oh, oh, oh one day at a time, that's dumb. Cause we know it all, right? Like we know everything. We in the rooms like, oh, let go and let God, that don't work. That's the way I was in the recovery rooms. I was like, man, I don't know. I, seriously, I, I'm over here talking about let go and let God. And, uh, you know, one day, one day at a time, they're talking about it. I'm over here talking like it don't work. You know what I mean? And that's the, that's the, that's, that's part of, that's part of it. That, 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 that keeps us separated from it. That's, that's the devil. He's in the details. He's in the details in the way we think. He disguises himself in our own voice. Like, oh yeah, one day at a time, that ain't going to work, bro. You already tried it. What do they mean? It's it's all, it's it, it ain't one day at a time. It's your whole life. They're lying to you. They're lying to you. You know, and that's the <laughs> stuff we tell ourselves and we don't listen to nothing that's going on in the meeting and we miss it. And then years later, but by the grace of God, we stay in it, right? Because something that little, right, doesn't always affect us the way it should, but we learn from it because we learn how we look at it. I, I'm learning today that how selfish I truly am and how selfish other people are too sometimes. I mean, you can really, really see the deep-rooted self-centeredness. I can see it if I'm really doing a good moral inventory. Straight up, being around my kids, being around my family, being around my career, doing what we're doing in ministry, I can be self-centered. I need to stay grounded on those simple things that I thought I knew in the rooms that I knew that they wouldn't work or I had it figured out this way. And, and that's what I like to tell people is like, you know what? This recovery thing is about unlearning things. It is a university of unlearning our old behaviors and learn and learning new actions and behaviors and developing new habits. Right. I talk about it all the time, work them recovery muscles. You go to the gym, you go to the gym, there's equipment in the gym. If you want to lose weight, what are you going to do? If you want to gain muscle, what are you going to do? You got to hit the gym. You ain't going to stand in the gym and look at all the equipment and wonder why the gym ain't working for you. That's what I did my whole life. I'd go in the gym. I'd go into the meetings. I'd go into churches. I would stand there and I would expect everybody else to change for me just to hang around them. I didn't, you know, it, it wasn't till I relapsed and went to prison for three years and then relapsed in prison and did the whole time, right? It wasn't until then that I realized, hey, God's been putting stuff in front of me my whole life. I got to do something to get some results, just like the gym. I got to put the damn weight up on the thing to get the results. I got to put the weight on the machine and I got to move it. And I got to do that consistently. And it's really, it's really profound because what I found in life is if I do anything consistent, consistently over time, I will get results. Let me jump in here real quick. JR sent me a text a second ago, and he is giving away a copy of his book, The Addiction Manifesto, tonight on the live stream. So if anybody wants to enter for a chance to win a copy of his book, all you have to do is comment hashtag addiction manifesto with no spaces, and you will automatically be entered for your chance to win this book. Y'all, I got to say, I have, I have read JR's book. JR is like, I've got like, I've got like three, well, I'll say four, four top like dudes in recovery that I just think are the most like bad A word. Um, it's just being shared on against the odds. So we have to watch what we say, you guys. 
Christian, Christian, Christian. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm just joking. Um, but for real, like I, I have these four dudes and I think very highly of them. So Phil, obviously, as y'all have heard me is obviously one of my favorites, right? He's very special. Um, JR is the second and not in any specific order. JR is also huge. I just hugely respect JR for everything he does. He just he never stops. He fights. He keeps going. He's creative. He he just keeps going in it. He will run in that fire a million times plus another million and then one more just in case to make sure nobody's still in there. Like he is like like to the wall. Let's go. You know recovery vets you know, drug court stuff he's doing uh, with Alex Kaplan and of substance stuff. He's, you know, his book, he's, he's doing recovery revolution. I mean, he, he has so, so much to offer. <laughs> I'm just happy to be on your list. Um, you know, you on my list, um, but he's amazing. And so I read his book. Oh, I got to finish. Phil, Jr. Brett is on my list because he's a bad, a daddy and I, I love his little ditings that he does. <laughs> and I got one. Oh, See, I know I get one if I said he was on my list. Um, you know, but so Justin <clears throat> from the Hope Shot is another one. And I'm closer to Phil, JR, and Brett probably because Justin, you know, is far away and we're just kind of getting to talk. But um, he is a, he's solid. I mean, he's just, he's a solid solid dude and he is you know they're starting an rco they're they're just again they're to the wall they're just you know introducing their own lives they they have they talk about real raw subjects that just a lot of people don't want to talk about it's uncomfortable but they make it inviting and like you you know like i don't know how to explain it everybody should just watch all of the all of the things i just said but JR's book, when I read it, and I'm not saying this because he's on my list, <clears throat> it is so insightful and raw and real. It's easy to follow and not in a, not in a, just a like basic way. It's easy to follow in the way that he put his heart into it. And you can tell he went back over it and tried to reword things to make sure that everybody, no matter what substance they were addicted to, no matter where they are in recovery, no matter what, you can relate to something in this book. So if all you have to do is say hashtag addiction manifesto, I suggest everybody do it because you won't regret it. And if you don't win it, you know, you should you should um, invest in it, because even though I'm four years into recovery and I've been through a, a ton, I mean, literally hell. I, I learned, there it is. I learned so much from this book and it really gives you an insight on just how powerful JR is. And I will hush about that. And Janine has it too. Oh, oh uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Don't make me pull my book out. I got mine too. I got mine too. Always, I don't got those books. I give away these books though for free. Yes, y'all want a Bible? Y'all hit me up. Yeah, I, I got the blurry crap going on. <laughs> you got to put it in front of you, put it in front of your face. Yep, right there. We can see it. Yep. 
little oh, over to yeah, the, we got those we got those giveaway on the on the page i don't got a jr book i hopefully will win one i i entered twice i seen somebody put me out there on it too <laughs> straight dry snitched on me straight dry snitch phil entered twice i was just I gonna say <laughs> we had a whole episode where we talked about okay because jr i interviewed him on chasing heroin which is my podcast and we were talking talking and the whole time we're talking to him, I'm assuming, he, I don't know, he's my brother age, maybe 35, 36. And then he starts talking about his prison sentences. And I was like, wait a minute. Did this guy start going to jail at 14 years old? How old are you? And he's like, I'm 50, <laughs> however old he is, so over 50 years old. And I was like, no, you are not. Why do you look so good? It was funny. And then my host, Narcan Nate, was like, what's his skincare routine? But you know what, Amanda, he answered me and he said, it's just it's soap prison. and water. So oh, hard. I know. I know. Yeah, and you it's know, the when, prison water. You hear you hear that eh. <laughs> if you're if you're locked up long enough, you're out of the sun, I guess. You know what I yeah. mean? Maybe you remember not, you remember hey. what Narcan Nate it Narcan preserves Nate was you. Like, he was like, the drugs just preserved him. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh no. Or all, all the preservatives from the prison food. <laughs> right. I'll give you a ding too for that one. Too. You know that turkey ham. <laughs> possum meat a salty turkey ham that they like to fry up That's okay not even I, like, I like the awesome. cookies though i was the only person that liked the cookies but i like the cookies the sugar the little cookies. vanilla oh, ones I had something in here too or the sugar one in holding they gave you a bigger sugar one just in holding before you got moved i like that one yeah no i like the cookies too yeah. <laughs> i didn't i didn't like the possum and the raccoon meat at all yeah um, <laughs> i would donate that to like somebody next to me but and then they'd yeah. give me their cookie and i was like huh, word you know yeah. but i also knew that like i was about to get out you know like that's part of my whole thing is like i have multiple charges and so when the last time i went to jail there it was like for shoplifting and so I had had like a bunch because, you know, I was a drug addict. That's how I like did my thing. And it was crazy because they were about to hit me with five enhancements. And every and here, what they were saying was that every enhancement I got hit with was 90 days, like mandatory 90 days. And they were hitting me with five plus the charges. Right. And I'm like, oh, shit. you know, there ain't no cookie in the world <laughs> that makes me want to stay up in this motherfucker, you know. So thank goodness. After that, it was like. I'm out, you know, I, I've got to get out of here. Like I can't, I got to get, you know, and thank goodness, you know, it was a month later that I got, you know, I got into recovery and no charges since it's weird though. You know, I could get my charges expunged. And what do you guys think of this? Is this just weird? But so in South Carolina, or at least here, whatever my charges, I, they told me I had to wait three years, right. To get all my charges expunged three years from my last charge. Okay. I've been sober four years and like four months, give or take, maybe a little more. And I still haven't done it. Why haven't I done it? Uh, I don't want to expunge mine because it's evidence of my past. Right. I probably could. That's why I haven't because they don't release mugshots in San Diego. And sometimes when I'm sharing on social media, people see me and they're like what did you look like before are you sure you like you picked your face you shot heroin for 10 years you know what I mean and yeah. I wish I had a mug shot but I don't so I haven't expunged my charges because they're listed online in the San Diego court search so that's why I haven't done it I don't know if there's part of you that wants to be able to show that past oh but you have your mug shots I've seen your mug shots you have yeah, 
I got mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was a hot ass mess, man. Woo! You got some good mugs. You. you got some good mug shots. Amanda got the Do best you? mug shots I've seen in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I remember when she said this to me. This might be a little intense, but do you think it keeps you connected to your husband holding on to your record? That's a good question. Um, you know what? Because that was your thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe. And, yeah. and like you said, it, you know, it never like it was maybe like subconsciously. It was exactly what you said, too. It, it proves like for one the work I'm in, you know, at wake up, you know, wake up Carolina, I do harm reduction. I do HIV testing, you know, Narcan training, fentanyl testing strips, right. I do peer support, you know, it doesn't get in my way. Right. And then any job after it's, it's shoplifting charges and a petty larceny. Luckily the, the enhancements didn't hit, you know, because I got sober and they like gave me a break um, only because I had sober time and they believe me. But, um, it, it, it is, it's like, it's, it's eventually it will affect me, right? Eventually it's going to affect me, but it kind of is like, it is like, it's a testimony to, to where I was and where I am now. And like Phil said, they, they are, um, they, ooh, like, I mean, they're, they're some mug shots, boy. <laughs> like the, the last one too, the last, I mean, like, <laughs> that's why I pick it because it's like, I look strung the f out like i look bad so now you know my face you know it doesn't have any of that so i'm like yeah i'm gonna use that one and it really makes people when they see it you know they're like oh whoa like ooh, it, it grabs attention you know i know i wish i had mine so bad it's so annoying they don't release them in san diego i wish they would but there's not even like here we have these these embarrassing magazines yeah. that they release yeah. with like little mug shots Lost of everybody. And they, I um, wish mine had been released. Honestly, San Diego never releases them. It's so irritating because I've got some doozies. Last two times I got arrested, I only had one. I was wearing glasses that only had one lens in them. One lens had popped out. <laughs> and I, and I, I took the picture with them on. I don't think I took them off. I'm 99% sure I walked down there and looked at the camera with one lens popped out. And there was a giant dreadlock in the back of my hair from being homeless that stuck up a little and completely picked up. And I am dying to see these mug shots. Dying to see these mug shots because it would show, like you said, like a complete change. And I really think I was wearing the, the glasses with one lens. I'm going to try to get like, so everybody who doesn't know me can kind of see. Oh, that like that was the diff. Can you see it? Can y'all see yeah, it? Sorry, I can't make it bigger. My keyboard, the battery in my no, keyboard. No, I'm trying to bad. like I, I'm trying to figure out this camera. No, I got all. I got a bunch. Let me see. And they big. They big <laughs> Let too. me see. Hold up, y'all. That's why I want them. They big too. I had to pay a lot for these. They charged me an arm and a leg and didn't want to give me a PDF. These are hard. Dude, I paid. I paid five dollars a piece. Five dollars. Here's the first one. Look oh, at that youngin, little baby, little baby. Sorry, guys, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get my batteries changed out. So okay, can you look, we can see him. So mad. Okay, getting bigger, getting meaner. <laughs> <laughs> that one was bad, man. Now you're like, getting man, sad. I'm in here again. 
I'm yeah, you can see the sadness in your eyes. Yeah. You can see the hopelessness in my eyes. I did a video yeah. with all these laid out on it. Look at that one. Eminem era. Come on, y'all. Hey. Hey. No way. Look. Well, a couple months later, back. Yeah, that's the <laughs> same shirt. That's the real Slim that, Shady. That, right that one there. reminds me of the one with the one when you're like, yeah, I had one lens in and one lens out, right? <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> And then I ran into, I ran into a fence too on one of these. I, I was oh, running from the cops goodness. in a high speed chase, and I ran into a chain link fence, and I hit the fence so hard it made a scar on the on my head. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Oh. There that scar right there. I hit the fence all the big time. Ran, smoked that chain link fence. This yeah. is hopeless. This it was is. uh, hopeless. This is just one county, y'all. I mean, if I can change my life, anybody yeah. can change their life. This is strung out meth. Look, ghost. Come on now. That's nasty. Nasty. Oh, good. Oh, my gosh. The ones where you see me with some meat on my bones, that's when I was in, in jail going to another jail, right? <laughs> in jail going to another jail. I, I got it. Y'all talk about mugshots. I'm like, I got a whole bunch of these things right here. Man, I wish I had mine. That just that just hurt my heart, though, because you could like, oh, like your wife just said, like you can see the hopeless. I mean, you see the sadness. Yeah. And Let's talk about this now. Let's talk about this now, though. This that's right. Is is my this is this is what the town I live in in Minnesota. This is the town I live in. This is this is Chaska. And this is me and my family on the cover of this magazine. And let me read what it says. You've seen all the mugshots. You heard the story, right? You heard Tell it. Them. Let me read what it says in here, just a, just a little part, because this is very important. And it's it says, against the odds, the Tyler yeah. family. Okay? It talks about my family. It talks about recovery. And then it also talks, it also makes this statement, and I think this is a very powerful statement. Hopefully I can find it in time here. We have time. We are so thankful to have the Tyler family here in Chaska. Between their witness to transformation and their various projects helping those in need, they are sure to make our community a better place. Mm. There was a lady inside, a, inside that, that, that treatment center, my counselor. She sat us all down one day and she said, let's be honest. If you died tomorrow, what would your tombstone say? And she let us sit there for a little bit. And she said, now, let's be honest. Your tombstones will say, most likely, the world's better off without them. That was the stuff I needed to hear because those choices defined who I was at that point. So, so that little statement that she made made me want to change my life it made me want to start making different choices it it hurt me right it hurt my my core because i knew that i was better than that i knew that i was not put on this earth to be a prison gang member selling meth doing meth promoting violence promoting destruction this is why i wanted to share this this is right with my mugshots to remind me that just my past is my past. I use my past 
to help other people overcome what they think they might not be able to. Because I didn't think I could overcome my past. I know a lot of us didn't, did you? Amanda, did you think you could overcome your past? Did you think you could overcome your past, Janine? No. 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 I mean, I've said, and like, I think all of my, um, I think I've said when I was on against the odds for the first time, the hope shot the second time, recovery, I mean, everywhere, you know, Janine, I mean, you know, chasing heroin, like this, the life that I live now is like a, is like, um, it's like a life that I would look at, right. And be like, I'll never have that. Um, I don't deserve that. And what's so ironic, I want to first say that I feel I was telling your wife, um, in the comments, um, cause I just think she's the most beautiful person. I mean, I've never even spoke to her really. I've never met her. Right. But I've heard Phil say so many like things about her and she's just the most supportive, loving, uplifting human being, you know, I mean, she just, obviously I'm not there, but if I had to like give a statement on what I thought his wife was like, it would be that she's the best wife. I mean, and mother supporter, I mean, human being woman, she is so powerful. And she, when he isn't, when I feel like when he's like, he's got a lot of, you know, he's got a lot on him y'all. Like, I mean, he against the odds is not easy to carry because y'all know we're, we're in group chats, right? Everybody has a page and there's, moderators and a team and, and all these things. And there's a bunch of messages and we have a lot of people and against the odds, like in our team and two different, like break, like two different messages, like broke up in team and moderators, like two different ones. And there's a bunch of people in each. So he's keeping up with all of that. He's going live. He's doing testimonies. He's being there for people, you know, I mean, he checks on me. I mean, he checks on, you know, Justin that was on here. He checks on all of us. Like, he genuinely cares about every single person. And I don't know how he does that, but to add in that he has the, his business that he runs to add in that he is, seems to be to me an amazing husband. He has the most beautiful, adorable children. I mean, absolutely adorable children. Um, and they seem smart as a whip. I mean, he really, he has a lot on him. And so I can tell that when he's like struggling from all the weight, Anna steps up and you can tell that she's like what lifts him up. Cause I've heard him say a, a few things that to me makes me believe that without her, I don't know that he, he would have it together as much like they're a team, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They are a, a absolute team and it's beautiful to see. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't have um, a healthy team. I've realized in the last like year and a half of my healing that although I, hi, Erin, um, I realized in the last like year and a half of my healing that although I loved Kenny, my late husband, I loved him more than I could ever explain. Um, we were very, very toxic and um, dangerously toxic. And I, I've started to wonder, you know, like, it's ride or die, right? Especially when you're using together, you have kids together, you have a life together, it's ride or die. Like it's like to the end, you go, I go, I go, you go, it's it. That's what, that's what it is. So I, I don't know. I've, I've started to wonder like if, if I would have stayed clean and he would have stayed alive, right? Um, would we still be together? I don't know. You know, only God knows that, right? Um, but 
it's so beautiful to me. And a lot of people get like jealous and almost like angry. I feel when they see, but when I see Phil and like Anna and like, I hear about it. Um, when I saw like Brett post, like his like baby announcement, you know, with his family, um, Jr. posting, you know, with his, um, <clears throat> fiance wife, um, you know, Janine, you posted pictures, you know, with you and your man and, um, you know, just people in general families with husbands. Um, I don't get jealous, you know, I, do the opposite somehow. I, I just want people to know how lucky they are and to cherish them. But I just think it's absolutely amazing that they have found each other, Phil and Anna specifically, because they are the best team I think I've ever seen. Like truly. And I'm not just saying that, like, I really, I think I've kind of told Anna that in the comments and I've mentioned it to Phil in messages, you know, how awesome, you know, his wife must be and all. Um, but I definitely, the life I live now to get to the point so I can hush, um, the life I live now is definitely not one I ever thought that I deserved. And honestly, when I started working this job, I came in to volunteer, um, a guy that used to work here. And then Nancy, um, the, our executive, our executive director, um, Nancy basically pulled me to the side and asked me, you know, I started out like co-hosting the compass, all recovery compass meeting, adult meeting I do every Friday um, at 630. Um, they asked me to co-host it. Then I started working like 10 hours a week, yada, yada. Um, I didn't see in myself that I had it then. And it took Nancy, someone that I had the insane, most utmost respect for to really see where, where I was and that, oh my gosh, like I, I am there, you know? Um, so in the last like nine months of working here, I've realized like looking around, like I, I, I got here, I got here. Like I came from six DSS investigations, over five charges plus enhancements, um, you know, my kids, mommy has to go hustle to get blues in the country. You know, she's got to go get oxy thirties, you know, from the country. And that was their way of saying it, but they knew what I was doing. You know, mommy doesn't feel good. She didn't have her medicine, you know, like, ugh. like I was disgusted with myself when I tell you that I could barely like get makeup on because I had to look at myself to do it. I mean it like I hated myself. I hated myself. I hated everything I stood for. And I think I've said on every live, I got to the point where I would drive to go steal something, flat screens, Barbie dream houses, trampolines, whatever, and cry. I would cry just the whole way there. I would just effing cry. Just cry. I mean, the whole way there, I would cry. I don't want to do this. This is not how I was raised. This is not like what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't want to go to jail. My kids deserve better. My husband, even though he was, you know, really worse addicted to multiple substances than I was, I nobody deserved, like, I hated me. I hated me. I loathed myself. And it finally got to a point where I was like, you know what? The stigma on Matt pushed me away from getting on, you know, Matt treatment for so long. And I finally said, you know what? They talk so bad about Matt, like methadone clinic, Suboxone, Vivitrol, you know, Subutex, whatever, whatever. They talk so bad about it, but F it, you know, there is no worse that I literally can do than what I'm doing now. Right. So I F it. And I went. And do you know that since the day that I started at the methadone clinic, I have been in recovery. 
Now, some people on here, you know, Matt isn't clean, Matt and sober. Eh, eh, eh. You know, we don't do that here. All recovery, all pathways, everything matters. Everything counts. Every pathway matters. Every pathway counts. All journeys are journeys. There's no space for that. If everybody could be on the same page, we need to break the stigma together. Sober is sober. And you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about my journey. It matters what I think about my journey. And if I say I'm in recovery, that's all. That's what that's what it is. Right. I mean, you know, everybody's right. allowed to have their opinion now. I'm not saying that <clears throat> I don't respect everybody's opinion on here. Just to be to clarify, if somebody doesn't agree with what I'm saying, I still 100 percent respect them a thousand percent. Like I have no issues. I'm just saying personally for myself that I support all recovery and all pathways. Um, and I support 12 step in a, a, a smart recovery, you know, smoking marijuana. I mean, if you're, if your quality of life is better than when you were using, I'm cheering, you know, now, um, Amanda, when I interviewed you actually for my show, um, I didn't know that you were on methadone and, and I wouldn't have cared. I would have interviewed you anyways, but I didn't okay. know. And you mentioned having four years and stuff came up and then you mentioned going to the clinic and I said, oh, okay, you're still, you're still doing methadone. And you said, uh-huh. Yep. That's right. And kept, we kept talking. And I said to Nate afterwards, I was like, okay, if there was ever an example to put that debate to end, you can't tell me that that woman that we just spoke to is not a recovered woman. She was a danger to her community. She was not taking care of her children. She now works in her community and is a good mother and is raising her child in a supportive, healthy environment where they are taken care of. You cannot tell me that that's not a recovered woman. Like, you know what I mean? And that's, I, that's how I felt after I interviewed you. You know, I was like, it's obvious. Oh, that means a lot because you know, I understand. <clears throat> I get that people are, you know, and in recovery, you know, we don't have to agree. Right. I mean, as long as there's respect, everybody respects each other. I'm golden, you know? Um, but I do know, and I will say that when I saw you put Matt advocate on my like description, I started, I was in tears. I had never even considered myself a Matt advocate. Like, I, I mean, I, I obviously am a Matt advocate, right. But, um, I never like, it never been put that way. And I was yeah. like, yeah, you know what I am, you know, the actual, the actual title is success through Matt recovery. Yep. That's the title and, of and <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was, I mean, I, I loved, I loved how, how that, how your episode, how that podcast went. I mean, it, you, it was yeah. just perfect. And, Thank um, you. You're well, I mean, you're, you're very talented. Um, and, you know, I understand, like I said, there's going to be differences and, and some, sometimes, you know, people don't agree and, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's fine, you know? Um, but I do know that, and I'm not going to say who, um, because it's their story to tell, but I did have, um, someone who, um, what wasn't super close to me, I actually, I didn't know them. Right. until um, I started being really big in one of the groups that I'm in. Um, and I met the person, we talked a little bit, you know, supported each other through like the, the group. Right. But, um, and we found out that we um, didn't live like terribly far, like all of all, all my ATO family is pretty much like way away from me, which sucks because I love them. And like, I want to see them and I want to hug them and like support what they're doing, but I have to from afar, which is okay. Cause I'll get there one day. 
Um, but I found out that somebody in the group wasn't that far from me. And so we kind of hit it off a little bit more, found out they were in other groups too, yada, yada, fast forward. Um, so that person heard me tell my story um, and how huge I was of like Matt advocacy. Right. And so they had told me that like they had been on Matt um, for like the, the first X amount of time that they were in recovery. Um, didn't say that they were off of it, but the way that they said it was kind of like that they weren't on it anymore. Right. Like just the first X amount of time. Um, and I, that's awesome. You know, I'm still on it, you know, you, you know, all recovery matters, yada, yada, yada. And um, fast forward a little bit more cause it's too long of a story, but they ended up messaging me and saying that because of me telling my story and not being afraid and being so, you know, recover out loud because silence kills. That when they share their story, that they, for one, that they were still on Matt, that they didn't like stop Matt after that X amount of time, that they were still on it the whole time. Um, and that they realized that their recovery is like beautiful and important and that it matters and that they are in recovery. And that when they share their story, I think that they worded it like when I, and when I tell my story, when I tell my story, now you are, now you are a part of it or something like that. And I just, you know, just tears. Like, I mean, just tears. Like when, when they said that, you know, that like, because I was so loud about Matt advocacy, everybody had shamed them, y'all. Everybody had, like, not everybody, a lot of people had shamed them. And they were literally in recovery in silence because they were shamed. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Like, we, no, no, sir, no, ma'am. No person. We don't do that. Like, what, what? No. Like, Every pathway, all recovery, every pathway, you know, we have got to support ourselves. We have got to start realizing that everybody out there is most likely against us or they're going to, there are so many uneducated people. And if the recovery community cannot support each other, we, what are we going to do? If we all just agree to disagree all respected each other, all had recovery community love for each other. We are all a family, whether y'all like it or not. If you're in recovery, you're in the recovery family. Sorry for you. We love you all. And it's what it is. If we all supported each other, look at our numbers. Look at our numbers. We could dominate. We could dominate. Like we could dominate things. But the stigma and pulling us away from each other is just... I just, I don't have personally any room for that. And, um, you know, uncomfortable conversations lead to education. So I'm all for it. So if somebody doesn't agree with me, I will respectfully talk to anybody and love you through it. Um, and if you do, you know, agree with me, then love you. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. <laughs> yes, JR just said, so last week, Nadine was on our recovery revolution. And um, Ashley said, if we don't have a seat at the table, we're on the menu. And he loved that statement because we've been doing a lot of like town halls um, with like people in our community. And we have been saying like, we have to like get a seat at the table, you know, numbers matter, voices matter. Like we have to, we have to take that seat at that table to get our voices heard with like politicians and like all around, you know? 
So. Do you guys want to do a book giveaway? Yeah. Oh, Phil. Phil just said he has to go. All right. Let's give away a book real quick before Phil leaves us. So once again, we are giving away a we. JR has graciously <laughs> decided to give away a copy of his book, The Addiction Manifesto, to one of the lucky folks that commented Addiction Manifesto in the comments throughout the episode. So let's do a drawing and find out who our winner is. And Woo! the winner is hey! Tracy. Uh, I don't know why they have me. Why do I read things? I'm like the worst reader on the probably on this. Tracy on the Reynolds. You ain't worse <laughs> yeah. than me, bro. You ain't worse than me. I don't know why. Why do I assign myself to read things? You're such a good producer with your graphics and the noises. It looks so good. You're so good at this. Yeah. I, I got a whole bunch of sound effects. I just don't ever want to use them on the serious parts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Phil, I know you said you had to go. So I'm going to start with just, oh, wait. My man for 20 years built an amazing life. Never argued. 15th of September, he never returned home. Five days later, his friend rang me to tell me he was with a woman five minutes from my mom's house, an hour away from ours. He changed the looks, threatened me with police. I'm from Ireland because I never married him. I lost everything. I went back to my parents' home with the clothing I was wearing. He wouldn't take my calls, trashed my good name, and it hadn't been for the grace of God. Oh, I can't read the rest. Uh, I think it got cut off because I don't see any more of it. Okay. Well, I ain't going to let you see it. I'll read. Hold on. Okay. Maybe I could get it up. I don't even see it on the comment. Oh, here's it. A... Oh, is it on YouTube? No, it's, no, on, it's on Facebook. It's on Facebook. Oh. oh, right there. Oh, no, it stops again, though. Acting strange again and left me. Okay, well, I guess we can read it off air and one of us will make sure that we send her a message. Because I want to make sure we get we get to her. Um, I used Matt to get off pills but stopped because of the kind of addict I am. I started becoming addicted to the itty bitty low-key. How's your feeling? Maybe it was just my mind for me, but I felt high. I very recovered different. I don't judge on my business. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, to be honest, not many people know this, but um, I've started tapering to get off myself. Um, not because of any specific reason. Um, I'm on 140 milligrams. I don't mind saying it. And, um, I, and I'm fine, but, um, you know, I'm not high y'all see, I mean, I'm wide awake. Right. So, but the reason I want to get off of it is just really so that I don't have to worry about going to a clinic. So I don't have to worry about dosing, you know, out of state or, or getting take home or any of that, you know, um, when I started, I planned to be on it for like six months and then, you know, my late husband, you know, passed and all that. So I stayed on it this long, but, um, I support it too, but, um, I want to say thank you to Phil though. I'm going to start it because, you know, he's my top four, um, you know, that you're inspiring every morning, you know, what you say, your message, you know, how people follow you, you know, I'm always trying to support, um, you know, you are, you're a very special human being. And I really am so blessed that you came on here because from the comments and the likes, you know, you really, you touch people. So I'm blessed to able to be a part of it. And thank you for all that you've inspired and empowered in me to allow me to have, you know, 
the umph to be able to do this. Amen. <laughs> I love See? it. You know, the best loser. <laughs> no, you know what that is, right? Jail toothpaste. Uh <laughs> okay. If you don't like this stuff, you don't have to use this stuff anymore. I don't know how I got this stuff, but I seen it one day and I was like, damn, I'm snatching it. I'm snatching it because I want a reminder. This is yeah. garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I knew as soon as you put it up, I was like, that's jail oh. toothpaste. <laughs> oh, man. Hardcore. <laughs> Freshman. J.R. Weaver. He wanted me to say this. He wanted me to say that pr prison does keep us young. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. He's like, tell him, Phil, prison keeps us young. <laughs> Gosh. Sure does. Well, I want to thank y'all for having me on here because honestly, it's been a it, it's it's been a pleasure to be able to come on here to share, to 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 listen to what other people are saying, like you, Amanda. Usually I just come on and I'm talking and talking. It's nice to sit back and listen. Um, it really is. And sometimes I got to be I got to be reminded that God gave me two ears and one mouth for a reason, too. So just because I can talk. Right. I got to be humbled as well. I got to listen too, right. We all got to listen it, to lead. We must follow like to lead people. We got to know how to follow as well. Right. In order to lead, we have to follow. We have to we, we have to walk with the herd. Right. We got to walk with them on the path, on the path. And we accept all the pathways. We accept all the pathways. And I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. If you shared this live tonight on your page, thank you so much. If you shared this live in your recovery group, thank you so much. If you shared, if you commented, if you reacted, if even if you just seen the live and dipped, thank you for being here. We don't care. We're just glad you were here for a split second. Right? Because maybe one day you'll come back. Who knows? Who knows? I just want to thank y'all. It's been a pleasure. It really has. I just have to go because I have a I gotta get my stuff scheduled for tomorrow and I got a big day and tomorrow's Friday. Thanks, Phil. We appreciate it, man. Yeah. Blessing to be here. And for anybody that is watching that came over from Phil's community. And wants to stick around. We do this every Thursday night with a different guest. So follow the page, turn on notifications, all that fun stuff. You can find us on Facebook or YouTube. So there's all kinds of different ways you can connect with us. We have a bunch of different mods. So if you're needing to chat with somebody, you can send the page a message. Somebody will usually answer that message within like five, ten minutes. So hop on there and, and join our community as well. Yeah, that's right. And same for Recovery Revolution family that isn't with Against the Odds. We shared, um, I think I shared, and I think a couple other people, the link um, to get on there um, to get to Phil's Against the Odds so you can hear him. Um, both pages are truly, nobody overlaps, so you can be a part of both and love everybody equally. Awesome. And Janine That's has right. a lovely podcast as well. Yes. yes, I do. I'll plug my podcast if you're going to let me. Uh, Chasing Heroin, Heroin with an E, um, on Spotify, Apple, uh, all the places, Google Podcasts. Um, and then on my social media, you can listen right from my social media. So if you go to Chasing Heroin on Instagram or TikTok, uh, it's right there. So, yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Brett, you're the cutest. You get a ding. 
Thanks. I want the chicken nugget one. Oh yeah, that's 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 my closer clip. I got a new one. Yeah. It's uh it's yeah. actually Little John and it's from a TV show that Carl was telling me about where he does like home remodeling and I <laughs> I, I heard this little clip and I was like I, I got to get this for the show. I'm ready to go. Time for chicken nuggets. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Time for chicken nuggets. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> Amen. Yep. I got a BLT sitting here. I'm about to smash it. Yeah. I know. My husband just got home with some grilled chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, guys, thank you to everybody. (laughs) Thank you for everybody that tuned in to the live stream tonight. We appreciate your support. And we will be be back next Thursday with another guest. So be sure to tune in. You can chat in the comments. You can also send us voice messages at speak to us slash RRL, and we can play those on the air if you guys leave us messages or if you have questions, comments, concerns, praise, adoration, whatever it may be, you can leave that for us at speak to us slash RRL. And remember, if you are watching us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel, turn on your notifications so you know when we go live. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.